0: You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are listening, we hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, We are uh, finishing up our series today uh, called uh, Road Trip, and uh, we have actually covered 20 chapters in the book of Exodus through uh, the summer up to this point. So uh, we had a series before Road Trip called Showdown in Egypt. So we have successfully navigated 20 chapters in the book of Exodus. And one of the things that we want to do here at Bayshore is teach the Bible in such a way that you can read the Bible for yourself, and you got some context and you go home and, hey, I know a little bit about Exodus. And when you read it in your devotions, it makes sense to you. So that's a part of our goal here. And we love the Bible here. The Bible points to Jesus. So we're very much uh, excited about that. So today we finish road trip. So it's going to be a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. We have a new series starting in a couple of weeks. Excited about that. And uh, so today uh, we're going to be looking at Exodus 20 verses 1 through 19, actually verses 1 through 21, I think, this is very famous, very famous passage we're covering today. We're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments. A lot of you have uh, know about the Ten Commandments, seen the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are controversial sometimes in courthouses and school and all that. But we're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments today and looking at that. This is a... uh, very, very important passage of Scripture. So I'm going to read to you uh, Exodus 20. We'll listen to this, take it in, and then we'll go from there and look at um, what principles we can find to help us in our Christian life here. Exodus 20, uh, beginning verse 1, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You should not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember this Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no, shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth to see in all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor the Lord, your, honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor when the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke they trembled in fear they stayed at a distance and said to Moses speak to us yourself and we will listen but do not have God speak to us or we will die verse 20 Moses said to the people do not be afraid God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning the people remained at the distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. So this is a really uh, great passage of Scripture. If you read it, a couple red flags probably come up if you read it. One is it talks about God being a jealous God. If, you know, make the Lord your God, you know, the only God. Don't worship any other gods because God is a jealous God. It was this phrase that gave Oprah Winfrey a lot of difficulty. A number of years ago, she's sitting in church, And she hears uh, the preacher say that God is a jealous God and she decided at that point that Christianity was not a good fit for her because any God that is a jealous God that is something that's very very negative in her mind and I remember hearing that story about Oprah Winfrey and her rejection of Christianity in general because of God being a jealous God now here's the thing about that phrase that phrase does not mean what we think it means. We think, uh, when we think of jealousy, we think of an insecure person that's controlling and needy and wants all the attention on themselves and they're jealous of other people and that type of thing. We've all seen people that are jealous. This is not what God is. God is not jealous based on any personal need he has. God is not a needy person. God is, the the theological term for this is aseity, aseity. The aseity of God means that God needs nothing. He doesn't need your affirmation. When we're praising God and worshiping the Lord this morning, we're not helping God with his self-esteem. We're not worshiping God because he needs us to worship him. He doesn't need anything. God is absolutely complete in and of himself. You and I need encouragement. We need people to tell us we're doing a good job and all that but that's not god god is bigger than that god is the creator of everything he's the creator of the universe so when god is talked about in this passage as being a jealous god it's god being uh passion about how we were designed to live you know just imagine i uh i play guitar a little bit not at all like Jeremy Ferruccio or Corey Phoebus. I got I'm um, not at that level at all. But uh I have a Martin guitar. And uh you know if you know anything about guitars, you know, good guitars, there's uh, Taylor guitars are really good. I used to have a guild guitar. But Martin guitars used to be the the uh, like the Cadillac of guitars. And if you had a Martin, that was the the epitome of having a great guitar. And I finally got a Martin a number of years ago and uh, hangs on the wall in my office. I don't get to play it too much. But imagine if you saw somebody in a kayak and they're out there in the water in the kayak and they have a Martin guitar and they're using that Martin guitar as a paddle to paddle the kayak. Now, just imagine that on the shore, you see the, the owner or the one that manufactured that guitar, that modern guitar. How would that person feel? That person would be enraged that, that that guitar was being used as a paddle when that guitar was made to make beautiful music. And I want you to know that you were created to glorify God. And when you're worshiping other gods and you're living according to your flesh and we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing that don't reflect the character of God, we are not living up to our design. So God being a jealous God has nothing to do with his insecurity. God being a jealous God is God is jealous for you that you would become everything that you're supposed to do and become. If I'm ever invited to be with Oprah Wimpy on an interview, I'll share that with her, how about that? But, uh, you know, when we read the Ten Commandments, where the Ten Commandments were received was at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. When you see in Exodus, you see Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai, same place, different name. And they finally got to Mount Horeb. And when they got there, they've got thousands of people. We know 650,000 men and plus their wives and children exited Egypt, maybe a couple million people. We've got this huge sea of humanity standing at the base of Mount Sinai, where Moses is about to get the Ten Commandments. And here's what's interesting about this. This mountain is the same place where Moses saw the burning bush. The same place. This is the exact same location that a year and a half earlier, Moses was out tending the sheep one day, and he saw a bush that was on fire that was not consumed. And he drew near and he took his sandals off because he was on holy ground. And this was the place where Moses first encountered God. Now, there's an interesting thing that we read about in chapter three of Exodus. When God first spoke to Moses, when he saw the burning bush on Mount Sinai, year and a half later, he's at the mountain where they're gonna, he's gonna get the 10 commandments. Same place, year and a half later. When he first saw the Lord and the burning bush, here's what the Lord said to him. Chapter 3, Exodus 12, and God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship on this mountain. So this is the fulfillment of something that God said to him. God said, I'm gonna bring you to this mountain and here he is. He's at the very place and what God had told him came to pass and I don't know if he reflected on it I don't know if he saw it at that moment if he realized wait a minute I'm here at the mountain God said this is the sign I'll be with you that you will be at this mountain with the people of God worshiping me number of years ago I uh I left here one Sunday I think it was Easter Sunday we had uh I don't know thousand people that Sunday uh, with uh, just incredible, and I'm in the back. I'm the last to leave, and I'm turning the, about to turn the lights off. And I had an epiphany. I had a memory that 35 years earlier, I was walking in the old auditorium, the red carpet and the red pews. Some of you remember that. You've been around a long time. And I was walking in that praying And we had like 30 or 40 people come to church and the Lord said to me, he said, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. And he showed me hundreds of people, hundreds of people that were worshiping and growing in their faith at Bayshore. And today I just came from Fenwick Island, wasn't a seat in the house. We had the place full, the parking lot was full. Here today, I got here late and I pull in and I could hardly find a place to park. You know, God is faithful to bring about his word and you may have heard the Lord say something to you. You want to tuck that away. Just because you haven't seen it happen yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Can you say a big amen right now? Now the other day, uh, I ordered something off Amazon. I'm Amazon Prime member. How many Amazon Prime members we have out there? I'm telling you what, Jeff Bezos has been used by God to make our life better. How about that? And uh, it's beanie season. You know, I wear beanies and uh, I wear Neff beanies. And uh, so I got on, the, uh, on my Amazon Prime and ordered me a couple beanies. I ordered, you know, colors I wanted. And, uh, you know, what I love about Amazon is you sit there, Amazon Prime, and you, you hit... and you hit purchase and the doorbell rings and they're there with your order. (laughs) How many love that? I ordered this beanie. This is my uh, Amazon Prime package. I ordered this Thursday night. Thursday night. I got thinking, Karen wasn't around, I wanted to order some more beanies, you know. (laughs) So I put an order in Thursday night. Saturday, the beanie's there. Here, I want you to listen to this. God is more reliable than Amazon Prime. When he says something to us, he keeps his word. He keeps his word. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you. The Lord said to Moses, when you worship on this mountain, you'll come back to this mountain, and the people of the Lord will be with you, and you will know that I'm with you. And I want to just feel led to do this. I didn't do this in Famic Island, but I want you to just raise your hand right now or your hands up before the Lord. And I want you to say this to me, Lord, you have said some things to me that I haven't seen yet, but I know that you're faithful and you're gonna bring your word to pass. It's a good thing, put it in your heart, God is faithful. Then the Lord, as they're at the mountain, gives them a little encouragement about what he means to them in Exodus 19, this is building up to the 10 commandments. Exodus 19 says, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord describes his relationship with the Israelites and the people of God as an eagle, as an eagle. It says in Deuteronomy, that like an eagle, this is Deuteronomy 32, verse 11, like an eagle that stirs up his nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft, God is like an eagle. Now what happens is those eagles would build those nests really high and they would lay the eggs and they would hatch their young. And as those young got mature and older, the eagle, the mother eagle would begin to put her wings, hover her wings over there, create some airflow and begin to make those eagles uncomfortable. All the down would come out of the nest and it got uncomfortable. And she would nudge those eagles out of the nest and they would fall, these eagles, these young eagles, they would fall out of the the, uh, nest and they're falling toward the canyon floor. And she would come under them with her wings and she would catch them on her wings. And she would keep them and preserve them and she would take them up real high and she would flip them out again they would fall and she never let one of those eagles splat on the canyon floor because she was taking care of them watching over them and god is saying to the israelites this is my relationship with you in the wilderness you've been walking in the wilderness the wilderness experience and the christian experience is to teach us how to fly it's to teach us how to mature in our faith to grow in our faith And the reason that we uh, are on this journey and the reason this stuff happens is that God is maturing us and leading us to a place where we're maturing in our faith. And then he says that you are my treasured possession. This is before God gives the 10 Commandments. He says, I'm like an eagle, I'll catch you, I'll sustain you, I'll keep you. And then he says, you are my treasured possession. Do you know Do you know that you are God's treasured possession today? That you are the apple. Deuteronomy 32 says you're the apple of his eye. And the apple is the pupil. It's the most precious part of the eye that one has to protect. And what God is saying is that you are the apple. You are the most privileged and most wonderful possession that he has. But you are my treasured possession. Our view is, of how we think God feels about us, determines how we relate to God. If we don't feel like we are God's treasure possession, like an eagle catching the young, or like a treasure, then we can't relate to God in the right way. You are special to the Lord. You are his treasure possession. I am his treasure possession. I am not a social security number to God. He knows everything about me, he loves me. Years ago, uh, when our church first started Bayshore, we had, uh, Karen and I were in our late 20s. We had nothing but young couples here. And with young couples, we had kids everywhere. There was kids everywhere running around after church. And we had a picnic at Trap Pond. I many know where Trap Pond is, not too far from here. We had a picnic at Trap Pond and all our kids were playing on the playground. We're so glad our kids are on the playground, go in the water or whatever you wanna do. We're just needing some breaks, and we're all playing. All these young couples, we're playing playing volleyball, and it's starting to get dark. And uh, all of a sudden, as we're playing volleyball, this woman named Brenda, she begins to scream out hysterically. She's so upset because while we're playing volleyball, evidently the volleyball had hit her wedding ring, and her diamond had fallen out of our wedding ring and was, she had lost the diamond in her wedding ring and she was hysterical and it was getting dark. So about 20 people, we got down on our knees and we're looking for that diamond. We're like, we're going through every section of the grass by uh, in the volleyball court there. And finally, I felt something hard under my hand. I looked down there and I pinched and there was that diamond. And uh, Brenda was elated. I was a hero, everything was good. (laughs) The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. You're a diamond in the grass he's been seeking for. He loves you, you're valuable. You don't have to use drugs to dull your mind because you're depressed. You don't have to drink too much because you're depressed because you feel like in this big cosmos, you don't matter. I'm here to tell you the Bible says you are God's treasured possession. You need to teach your kids. They are God's treasured possession. They're not a random act in the universe. They've been created by the almighty God who made everything and they belong to him and they need to grow up knowing that they have been made in the image of God. Can you say a big amen? so that 's how the Ten Commandments are set up, and then we have to talk about why do we have the Ten Commandments? Why do we have the ten commandments it 's possible to know the Ten Commandments but not know why we have the Ten Commandments. there's a guy in our county, and a good friend of mine was sharing the Lord with him a while back, and this is a well educated guy and um, he 's a uh, got a lot of uh, degrees and smart guy and all that. He said to my friend, he said, I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in organized religion. I believe in the 10 commandments. I believe in the 10 commandments. Well, you know, when I hear that, I know what's behind that. And there's two things behind that. One thing's behind that is, is hubris and pride. I don't need the church. I don't need doctrine. I don't need the Bible. All I need is the Ten Commandments. You show me what I'm supposed to do and I'll do it. That's hubris and that's pride. I don't need God. I don't need a Savior. I just need the Ten Commandments. You give me the Ten Commandments and I'll show you how to live. And the other part of that that's a fallacy is it's impossible to keep the Ten Commandments. Impossible to keep them perfectly like we're supposed to. Here's what, the, here's what the law is for, and here's what the 10 commandments are for. First of all, the law reveals our problem. It doesn't solve our problem. The law reveals our problem. It doesn't solve our problem. It says in Romans 3:20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. No one, no one will be declared righteous by the works of the law, not you, not me, not Gandhi, not the most moral person in the universe. The Bible says, Paul says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous by God's sight, by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. We become aware of sin. The law is what shows us what sin is. So the purpose of the law, is not to save us. The purpose of the law is to show us that we need to be saved. That's the primary purpose. I was uh, when I was a kid growing up. My one of my uh, most favorite things of my childhood. I loved this. This is, makes my heart smile uh, when I think about this. When I was a kid, uh, my dad had horses. We had quarter horses, a couple quarter horses, and I had a pony when I was, uh, I think, nine years old, nine, ten years old, I got this pony all black. She was all black. She was a mare. Had a little white star on her forehead. I had a saddle. And I loved that pony. The pony's name was Missy. And when I can't sleep sometimes, uh, ever get, I don't know if you ever get, uh, get uh, insomnia, when I can't sleep, I just close my eyes and I think about riding my pony when I was a kid. I'd come home from school, throw my books in the, in the house and I'd get on, uh, put the saddle on Missy, put the blanket and then the saddle, put the bridle on and I would ride and canter across the fields with my uh, pony Missy. One, one day we're coming home and uh, we're coming down this road. And if you know anything about horses, when horses get close to home, they got a honing device. They wanna to get to the barn and doesn't matter where you're going, they wanna go that way they wanna to go toward the barn. So I'm riding her and I'm planning to go straight across this field and she knows the barns over here. We come to this road and she makes a hard left. She goes left and I go straight and we parted ways. <laughs> and I landed on my wrist and my wrist swole and it hurt. And for three days, my parents thought, well, he will be all right in a little while. I don't know if they didn't have insurance or what, but he'll be all right in a little while. It got so bad they took me to the Nanakook Memorial Hospital and I got my first x-ray. Never had an x-ray before, my first x-ray. They x-rayed it and the x-ray revealed that I had a broken or fractured wrist. And they put a cast on it and I went to school and all the girls signed it. And the x-ray did not solve my problem. The x-ray revealed I had a problem. The law is not designed to save you. No more than an X-ray is designed to heal your arm. The law reveals you have a problem. The law reveals I have a problem. Imagine you're driving a car and you got signs that say 55 and 60 miles an hour, whatever the speed limit is, but your car does not have a speedometer. You're in the car and you don't know how your speed relates to the law. When God gave the law, it was to reveal that we had a problem. No one will be declared righteous by the law, but by the law, we become knowledgeable or conscious of sin, Romans 7:7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would have not known what sin was had it not been for the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. The law reveals a problem. Second thing, if you're gonna be saved by the law, you have to keep the law perfectly. You can't keep some of the laws You have to keep all the laws if the law is going to save you. James 2.10, listen to this, very important. James James 2.10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. The law is an all or nothing thing. You say, you know, that guy from... Sussex County, UD grad, the smart guy, the ubers guy says, I I don't believe in organized religion. I believe in the Ten Commandments. Here's the deal. He does not understand the magnitude of the righteousness of the God we're relating to. The Bible says that in God is no darkness at all. He's never sinned. He is perfect in all his ways, the Bible says. So if you are almost perfect, you're not perfect enough. If you keep some of the law, if you don't covet and you don't steal but you lie, you've broken the whole law. Now, when I was uh, going to the University of Delaware, I uh, had, I'm a liberal arts major, so I'm not real fond of science and math, but you have to have science and math to get a degree from UD, so I had to take science classes. I took biology, and the teacher, Dr. Curtis, had a cane, Kind of cranky guy, and I sat on the front row. I had a dictaphone. I I recorded everything he said. I took vigorous notes. And the first test we had, I got my test back, and I got a fifty-one. Now that's that's the bad news. That's the bad news. The good news: everybody else in class got forties. So he graded on a curve. So, all of a sudden, a 50 became a 90 or a 95. Say this with me. God does not grade on a curve. Now, today is the uh, start of football season. I feel excited. I'm excited. Some of you couldn't sleep last night. The man said to his wife, is there anything you want to say before football season? You know, you know that's a... I don't know who you're rooting for this year. You know, I, I'm confused. I mean, I don't know if I should go to the Jets with Aaron Rodgers or, you know, I don't know what to do. How many Ravens fans do we have out there? You're a Ravens fan, that's all. How many Eagles fans do we have here? got some Eagles fans, there they are. That's an Eagle fan, you can tell the Eagles everywhere. How many, uh, you know, are Washington Commander fans, you know, could you not come up with a better name than that? Isn't it embarrassing? Well, I'm not sure who I'm going to root for, but I do like Justin Tucker. He's a great field goal goal kicker. He has the best field goal kicking record in the NFL. Here's his record, 90.5% of the time he makes the field goal. That means a little bit over nine times out of 10, he makes the field goal. Last year, he kicked the longest field goal, 66 yards. In his career, Justin Tucker has made 363 field goals. 363 times, he's walked up to that ball, lined up, and when he goes out on the field, I think it's money in the bank, money in the bank. 363 times, right through the place. 38 times, he's missed. 38 times he's missed. If you have a Justin Tucker view of spirituality, that, you know, I'm good most of the time, that is not at all why God put these commandments in place. In fact... Jesus elaborated on the Ten Commandments in Matthew 5 through 7. Listen to this. Where did Moses get the, commandments, the Ten Commandments? He got them on Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. He's on a mountain just like Moses was. And he said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. And when he said, you've heard it said, he's referring to the Ten Commandments. Then Jesus said, but I tell you. If you've been angry with your brother and you've called him raka, which means moron, idiot, empty-headed, worthless, that's what the word means. If you've done that, you are in danger of hellfire. If you've called him fool. So what Jesus is doing, Jesus isn't saying try harder. He's saying be honest. If you hated somebody in your heart and you can't stand them, and you despise them it's the same spirit that's behind murder and god doesn't care just about the external act he cares about the internal attitude and you've broken the law the reason for the for the uh sermon on the mount is to make us honest with ourselves jesus said you've heard it said that thou shalt not commit adultery but i say to you if you've seen a woman And you've lusted at her in in your heart that you've already committed adultery in your heart. I said to the Famic Island uh, campus this morning, how many have ever had an unclean thought in your mind? Just raise your hand. No, do not do that. (laughs) Hey, listen. This is Jesus putting a magnifying glass on the law. a Magnifying glass on the law to get us honest with ourselves. So then, what's the law for? The law is to reveal to us that we need a Savior. The law shows us how hopeless we are that we can't keep these Ten Commandments. The rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, you know, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, be good to your neighbor and all that stuff. And then he said, you know, what more do I lack? Something's missing. He said, sell everything you have and give to the poor. Jesus put his finger right on the man's problem. He didn't love God as first in his life. He loved, he loved all this other stuff. So here's what the problem is that we struggle with. We think this guy that I don't like organized religion, I believe in the Ten Commandments. The guy believes that the Ten Commandments are a ladder. If I do the right things... I'll climb up the ladder, and I'll eventually get to God. You know, in the the Old Testament world, there were these things called ziggurats. They're in Babylon and Iran today. Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter 10 was probably a ziggurat. You build a staircase, and the God, the moon God, makes it easier for him to come down to man. He gets on top of of the ziggurat, and you climb up the ladder to commune with the God. And some people believe that morality and the Ten Commandments are like climbing a ladder to get up to God. And here's the problem with that. It's not possible. In fact, there's a hint about how this works. Genesis 28, Jacob leaves his home Esau's trying to kill him. He comes to this old place in the field called Luz. He lays down to take, to sleep that night. He puts puts a, a, a stone under his head as a pillow. And he has a dream. He sees a ladder being let down from heaven, a staircase. And he sees the angel, angels of God, ascending and descending on that ladder ascending and descending on that ladder. Jacob woke up and he said, this is the place of God and I knew it not and named the place Bethel. He made an altar there. 3,000 years later, Jesus is choosing his disciples. This one disciple named Philip, he goes to get his friend. His friend is named Nathaniel. Other gospels call him Bartholomew. And Philip says to Nathaniel, he says, he said, We found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, Come and see. And they bring that man, Nathaniel, to Jesus. And Jesus said, You know, I, for you, Philip called you, I saw you sitting under the fig tree meditating, and here's what he says to him. Then Nathanael declared, John 149. John 149 through 51. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. Listen to this. He then added, very truly, I, will, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angel angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. The latter that Jacob saw in Genesis 28 about the way to heaven was Jesus coming as the ladder. He's the way he said to Nathaniel, you'll see the angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. Jacob said, I saw a ladder let down from heaven, the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man, the bridge between man and God is not the law. The bridge between man and God is Jesus who was sent to redeem us and to save us. I can never keep the law perfectly. I can never please God with my good works. I have to come to Jesus who is the ladder. He is the staircase to bring me to God. And he said, said Nathaniel, you're going to see Jesus. You're going to see me and the angels of God ascending and descending to me because I am the bridge to heaven. Can you say a big amen? I'm over a little bit, but let me just close with this important caveat. So, what do we do with the law? Do we become antinomian? Antinomian means no law, we don't keep the law. Here's something you want to know every Ten commandment is repeated in the New Testament except for one, and that's the uh, Sabbath day. The Sabbath is not commanded to be kept in the New Testament, and it is the because Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Very important. You want to write this down. You want to read this this afternoon. It's in your sermon notes. Uh, Jeremiah 31 says, The time is coming when I'll make a new covenant with people, not a covenant written on laws of stone, but I will write my words on their minds and on their hearts. So when I became a Christian, the Holy Spirit wrote the Ten Commandments, the character of God upon my heart. And I can't do it out of my own strength, but the Holy Spirit helps me to live a life that's honoring to the Lord. And it's already on my heart not to lie. I see a tennis ball that's that's in, and I want to call it out. Nine times out of 10, I call that ball in, you know. Uh, you know, in my heart, my heart says, "I'm not going to commit adultery. That would hurt my wife. Would hurt my family. It's already on my heart, and I need the Lord to help me." See, the law is now on your heart that the Holy Spirit helps you to live a life. But your living a good life has nothing to do with you being saved or being having a relationship with God. That is done. Say this with me, and I'm going to end in just a second here. Say this with me. The law has been fulfilled once and for all through Jesus. The life I live to honor Jesus is through the power of the Holy Spirit. There was this woman once, I read about she had this husband that was harsh, demanding, hard, Uh, critical, and he was always on her about what she's supposed to do. He was so demanding that he wrote a list of things that she was supposed to do every day, a list of things every day she's supposed to do. And she tried, and she tried to be a good wife, but she could never please him. He was always upset with her. And then after a while, this man unfortunately died and a couple years passed and she remarried and the next guy she married loved her adored her worshiped the earth she walked on and she loved him and she just wanted to do things for him and one day she came across that list that list of the first husband and she realized that everything on that list she was doing for this new husband. You see, we serve God not out of duty, gotta be better, gotta try harder. We serve God out of delight. He so delights in us, we're his treasure possession. We love him so much that out of that love comes a life that honors him. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. We're getting ready to take communion together. I want you to let the Holy Spirit, the grace of God the grace of God to flow in your heart. I want the power of the Lord to fill your heart. I want you to leave today knowing that you are a son and a daughter of God. You're God's treasured possession. You belong to him. He has purchased you. He's satisfied the law. And he's made you righteous in the sight of the Lord. And we can lift our heads up high. We can walk in the grace of the Lord. I want you to take the communion elements. We're gonna have some music here in just a second. Take the communion elements, pull that little top off and together let's take the bread out. Let's take that bread out. Anybody missing there some more? Lift this bread up before the Lord right now. Lift it up before the Lord. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, you fulfilled the law. I've broken some laws this week. I've sinned, I've fallen short, I've stumbled as, my, as I'm growing in my faith, but the bread represents he's fulfilled the law. Thank you, Lord. Lift your voice right now. Thank him. Thank him for his wonderful love for you. Lord, we thank you for the love of God that we can't comprehend. We thank you for Jesus' Perfection and his integrity and his righteousness. Together, let's receive this as the people of God. Let's receive this communion together. Thank you, Lord. Let's take the juice, lift the juice up before the Lord. This represents the blood of Jesus shed for our sins, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Shame has no place in our heart, guilt has no place in our heart. We've repented of our sins, we've repented of things we've done years ago. There's somebody here this morning, there's something that's been weighing on you for years, you can't forgive yourself. The Lord tells you today that if he's forgiven you, who are you not to forgive yourself? Who are you not to forgive yourself? There's somebody here today, you've just been under the shadow of darkness and guilt. Father God, we thank you that there is no shame. You took our shame. You took our guilt. And together today as we receive this juice, which represents the blood of Jesus, we receive it together in the name of Jesus. Let's just take this together as the body of Christ. And we're in the New Testament covenant. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.